Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Jason Kerner, who's Vice President of Solutions Engineering at Project 44. And today we're going to talk about blockchain for logistics, preparing for the opportunities. Now, without a doubt, blockchain is the most talked about technology at the moment, but it's also the most confusing, especially for supply chain logistics professionals who are trying to figure out, you know, its role and its, and its potential benefits, you know, for, for the industry. Um, you know, so what are some of the potential use cases for blockchain and logistics? What are some of the ba main barriers to adoption? And what should companies do today to, you know, ultimately prepare uh, for this technology? Well, those are just some of the questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to have Jason on the program to share his insights and perspective on this topic. So, uh, Jason, welcome to, uh, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. So, uh, you know, Jason, you're your first time guest here on, on Talking Logistics. And, and just like uh, I always do when I bring on someone new, I'm always curious as to how and why they got involved, you know, in this industry to begin with. So <laughs> why, don't you, why don't we start there, you know, before we dive into the topic, why don't you briefly tell us a little bit about your career path, you know, how and why you got involved with, with this industry and what's your current role and responsibilities there at Project 44? Sure. So to be fully honest, it was a bit of an accident falling into supply chain and logistics. Uh, I come very much from a technical background and kind of fell into the industry. So an abbreviated version of my past, I, uh, I started off as a software developer working for companies like Intel and Deloitte Consulting. Uh, did a few startups that were very early stage back in the day called so uh, application service providers or ASPs, which today obviously they're known as cloud or SaaS companies. Um, and then I went on to some tech leadership and product management roles at companies like IBM and SAP and BlackBerry where I spent 10 years. And because of the work that I had been doing with uh, APIs and the API economy and integration and mobile development, um, I kind of acquired quite a bit of experience across multiple industries. And my time at SAP did actually give me my first exposure into supply chain, logistics, and manufacturing. And uh, just by chance, I had a conversation with Project 44, and they were looking for someone to come in who had that technical background, but also had a little bit of an understanding about the industry. And I thought it would be a great fit to really focus on more of an industry-specific solution than being a technology generalist like I'd been for much of my career. Uh, and it's been a great fit ever since. So I've really enjoyed my time. Been at Project 44 since 2016. And I lead a team of solution engineers and architects who really focus on our technical partnerships uh, working with customers uh, on integrations, uh, as, as also being a member of the product steering committee. So very involved in the direction that the company's going as well from a technology perspective. Yeah, great, great path. And I, I can tell you one of the common threads with uh, mo most of our guests is that they, they fall into this industry by accident. So you're, you're not <laughs> the exception there. You're, you're, you're more of the rule. Uh, you know, me, myself, you know, I always tell folks, you know, I, I'm a material science engineer and, and here I am now, you know, almost 20 years and in uh, supply chain logistics. I, I thought you were going to say you were, you know, the, the lead guitarist for a, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a, a rock band and uh, somehow got fell into this industry. But uh, No, I was a lead guitarist for a really terrible high school band at one point. But yeah, that didn't pan out. So, <laughs> Well, you know, that, 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 could be the, that could be the topic for, for a different episode. So I think it would be, <laughs> be a cool one. But, uh, but anyway, today's episode is blockchain for, for logistics. And, uh, you, you know, like I mentioned in my opening remarks, I mean, there's certainly a lot of buzz and, and interest in, in blockchain today, but there's also a lot of confusion. I mean, what, one of the most common questions that I get, you know, for supply chain logistics professionals is, you know, what exactly is blockchain? I mean, what's your response to that question? I mean, how, how do you explain blockchain to a logistics professional? 
Yeah, that's an interesting question because my answer has probably changed 20 times even in the last six months uh, because when I thought I had a pretty clear kind of explanation, I was still getting a lot of deer in the headlights. Um, at its core, I mean, it's really just distributed ledger technology. And what does that really mean? It really just means that you have a shared database or distributed database technology that allows you to record transactions. Now, what it means to have a distributed ledger, all it really means is that every party participating in that transaction or that workflow has a copy of that ledger or that shared database. And what that does is it eliminates intermediaries, it eliminates potential trust issues. But really at its core, it's just a way to record um, you know, things of transactions of value or transfer of assets in a way that you have consensus across multiple parties and they trust that that data hasn't been altered um, and that only the correct individuals or permissioned individuals can see it. Um, think of it as just a very large spreadsheet that you keep adding rows to. Um, and those would those rows would potentially be representative of a block in a blockchain. I don't want to get into the technology and the cryptography and all these other things because then that's when you really start getting people glazing over, especially in supply chain. Um, but you know, currently, if you think about it, most people use a trusted middleman such as a bank or government agency for a transaction, right? But what blockchain really is doing, it's allowing consumers or suppliers or folks that you trade with to connect directly and remove that need for a third party. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, that explanation aligns with what, what I mostly, you know, tell people as well. And I think where a lot of the deer in the headlights um, reception sometimes comes is when you, is because fundamentally at, at its core, this is kind of very, a very techie thing. I mean, I think a lot of supply chain logistics professionals, they, they think in terms of software applications, right? A, a transportation management system or a warehouse management system or an ERP, right? And, and they, they deal in those levels. And this, this for a lot of supply chain logistics professionals, the, the practitioners tends to be a little bit more on the, on the IT side of things, if you will, or kind of the backbone or the you know, very technical side of things. So, so that's where then I think it becomes important to really start talking about potential use cases, right? Uh, yeah. you know, to kind of ground it a little bit in terms of you know, where's the value of this. So, 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 so let's, let's talk about some of that. I mean, what are some of the potential you know, use cases for, for blockchain and, and, and logistics? I mean, in, in, and in what ways is it a, you know, quote unquote, better mousetrap than, than what exists today? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And oftentimes you'll hear folks say, oh, blockchain is just a solution looking for a problem. And I think that if you're looking at it from the wrong perspective, that's absolutely the case. But there are some very, what I would say, legitimate and strong use cases that blockchain can support. Let's kind of take it back up a level too, you know, kind of as a closing out the previous question. You know, when I'm talking to someone who's from the line of business, you know, decision maker, influencer, who's really trying to identify the value, and this will tie into the use cases, blockchain is about trust and transparency. So a lot of it is, as we get into these use cases, where do I potentially have challenges or gaps with trust and transparency when I'm working with third parties? Because really at its core, that's what blockchain is trying to solve for in many cases, is adding a level of transparency and adding trust directly between the different parties participating and eliminating the need for the intermediary. So if we kind of take that down a level now, like, oh, so what are some of the use cases? Uh, an interesting one that I've actually been kicking around quite a bit internally um, is you think about the LTL kind of workflow. You know, you go through the rating, the transit time, the dispatch process, you get your visibility information and then document retrieval, et cetera. Uh, one of the common challenges that we see with 
uh, shippers and their carriers is there's this trust issue. And that's why you have intermediaries like a rating bureau that's whole, and that's hosting things like base rates. And then you're applying your discounts. You know, shippers oftentimes don't trust that the carrier is maybe applying the correct discount or the rate to a shipment. And so you have these third parties. So I think when you think about rating, just as a specific example, having certain information stored in a blockchain that provides that auditability and the insurance that it hasn't been altered and it's been accurate because you've had all the parties provide that consensus that yes, this is that single source of truth. There's some interesting use cases there. Um, think about just tracking in general. You know, we've gone over the last four years from any data is better than no data, right? Uh, I just want to know where my shipment is. Um, what it's really progressed into and evolved into is, okay, great. I know where my shipment is to some degree, but now I really want to make sure that I'm getting good data, real-time data. And not only do I want it with each specific kind of carrier, I want to be able to stitch this all together. So being able to provide the single source of truth as you kind of see it progressing maybe from one mode to the next mode, having timestamps, having information such as the documents associated with that shipment, a little bit like you're seeing with Maersk and IBM on the ocean side. But having all that information that is unalterable, fully transparent and viewable by the appropriate parties added to a blockchain can provide a lot of, uh, a lot of value when you look at that end-to-end -end visibility and transparency use case. Um, you know, I, I talk to customers all the time, you know, and chain of custody can be a challenge. And then who's liable when maybe there was a dwell time issue, um, you know, and having that information time stamped and agreed upon and not relying on it coming from, say, a, a central database or database or system from a carrier or from the shipper side. So I think that's a very interesting, that multimodal visibility and tracking. There's a lot of use cases there to add a layer of trust and transparency to maybe what you have today. And kind of going back to document management, you know, maybe having documents stored um, to ensure that all the available and interested parties have access to it. But more importantly, adding validity that that is the document, that that is the accurate invoice, that is the accurate, say, bill of lading or proof of delivery. You know, across different modes, a proof of delivery document can, in many cases, initiate some sort of accounts payable or invoicing process. So having validity and even automating the process of having the documents associated with the shipment in a place where I trust, there's transparency to those who need to see it and it's not alterable, um, there's quite a bit of value there. And kind of to close it out, because um, there's many, many that I know are being discussed, Think about maybe an overlying use case that could, could apply to some of these workflows. You know, dispute resolution. Um, when you have that trust and transparency and you know that what's in the blockchain is that single source of truth, you have an opportunity to really reduce dispute resolution times by a significant amount, um, whether that be around the invoicing process, whether that be around things like tracking, like when did it actually arrive? Should there be a detention charge? So there's a lot of these things by adding trust um, to a workflow that can really add value to organizations, both on the shipper as well as on the carrier side. Yeah, no, I, I like the framework of, of trust and transparency because I think that, that I think helps companies try to think through, you know, those areas where uh, I like the way you phrase it, you know, where are those things challenged today or missing today that you would like to have more trust and transparency around? And then that might be an opportunity where, you know, this technology, you know, can play a role, you know, around that. And certainly when you look at, uh, you know, transportation, you know, across all modes, there are a lot, you know, there are a lot of opportunities there. And certainly I, I think where the, even the bigger opportunities are, uh, is when you think of, 
the transportation leg in particular as a component of the overall end-to-end you know, visibility that a lot of companies are, are still going after, right? It's the ability to, um, you know, some of the use cases that, that you that get a lot of press these days around, you know, uh, you know, the food industry for traceability, for recall and things like that. Obviously, transportation is a component of that and, and having that part of the, being part of a blockchain, you know, kind of makes, uh, you know, makes sense there. You well, know, you're seeing, yeah, and, and that's ahead. a really good point. And you're, and you're seeing this happen today, even though to me, blockchain is still a bit in, in its infancy. Even the major frameworks that are out there today are like version one, version 1.2. Um, there is no kind of standard today. You know, we'll get into this a little bit too if we talk about challenges. But you're seeing large enterprises invest heavily, not only in specific, say, frameworks or standards that they're going to kind of latch on to. But you look at IBM, you look at Maersk, you look at Walmart, you look at a lot of different companies, even Toyota I've read about. There's a lot of very large companies that they see the value in it. And what they're focusing on now is really that art of the possible. Like, Do some agile development and projects around it. Fail fast, fail often, and really determine where blockchain can play an important part, maybe in providing new value and new levels of trust and transparency as part of a process. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I love that. I love that phrase, the art of the possible, because I think that is where I, I was just at a conference, uh, you know, recently where there was a, uh, you know, a logistics executive and he said, you know, we're kind of related to that. You, you know, we're, we're no longer uh, interested in projects that take 18 months and, you know, a million dollars, you know, to, uh, you know, investigate, you know, we want things that, you know, $50,000, try it out, see what works in, in a few weeks. And, you know, if it, if it succeeds, great, we've, deli- we've delivered value. But if it didn't succeed, well, we didn't invest a ton of money and, and time either. And we can keep, you know, iterating and, and finding, you know, where the value might be. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, that, that, that's what it's certainly happening in, in some of these areas here. Um, but, but I think related to this, I mean, some of the other questions I get is, well, how do I get started? I mean, how do I even get in, involved with all this? I mean, so, so what should companies do to, you know, adequately prepare and ultimately take advantage of a blockchain technology? I mean, what, what I hear a lot of sometimes is, well, does it mean I have to like rip and replace all the systems that I currently have? Or does this augment what I currently have, whether it's a enterprise software system or the way I communicate and collaborate with trading partners? So, how, you know, where should companies, you know, what should they do to get started? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. And, you know, I, I think there's a few things that, companies need to take a look at when they're considering blockchain projects and the technology as a whole. Now, first of all, they need to take a holistic approach. They can't, I wouldn't recommend doing it in silos. Um, our industry has been a laggard when it comes to technology in general, right? Very slow adopter. It took a long time to realize that, okay, APIs are the best way to do things, but there's still a lot of EDI out there. And I've, I've been at conferences where I've actually had conversations with folks. They're like, we're going to go straight from EDI and manual processes to blockchain. And I kind of look at them funny because I know that that's not possible. And I'm trying to think of a way to tell them and let them down gently that you can't do that because what needs to be put in place is what I would say, kind of future proofing your architecture first. You need to have a holistic digital transformation in place. How am I going to be ready for things like blockchain, IOT, you know, even, you know, omni-channel strategies that involve mobile applications, all these different things. At its core, everything that we're talking about, whether it be blockchain specifically, and some of these other technologies that companies are so excited about, you know, big data and advanced analytics, they're relying on a, a solid foundation. And that solid foundation is made up primarily of APIs, for example. You look at any blockchain framework and you take a look at the documentation. They all have SDKs. They all have API documentation because 
typically you're going to be leveraging a blockchain application via some other application that's maybe putting data right via a transaction into a block, adding a block to that chain, uh, reading information out of a blockchain for say auditing purposes or reporting purposes. That's all accomplished via API transactions and API calls. So the first thing they need to do is do I actually have the kind of the, the technology foundation today to actually be able to adopt blockchain in a meaningful way? So it's a little bit of a kind of a more of a macro approach. Like I can't be doing everything manually today and with the EDI and think that I'm going to be very successful adopting blockchain. It's not going to happen. Um, and kind of you raise another interesting point. There's a lot of myths out there too. Uh, there was an article I read not too long ago where someone was asking the question about, well, is blockchain going to replace my relational database? And my response to that is in most cases, absolutely not. It is not intended to be a utility data store where you're going to insert blockchain as the back end for your ERP system or the, you know, the back end for your CRM system. That's not what it's for. It's not, a, it's not intended to be this kind of this advanced data store technology. In many cases, it's going to be on the peripheral where there's going to be certain transactions or certain data elements or pointers to information that you're going to put into a chain, into the blockchain. But that doesn't mean that you still don't need your traditional kind of NoSQL or SQL relational, you know, object storage type of data stores for your kind of everyday core enterprise applications and solutions. So it is not often a rip and replace. It's oftentimes complementary. It's enhancing investment in something else, or it's a whole new workflow that is going to be supported by a blockchain specific solution. So I would tell people that, you know, if they're looking at the technology, they shouldn't be looking at it like, okay, what am I going to have to rip out to take advantage of this? And not, many times it's going to be a kind of an adjacent type of solution where certain types of information is being placed in there and certain types of transactions are interacting with it. Um, no, that's a great, you know, that's a great point. And I, and I think what, what it speaks to me is, I mean, there's a couple of things that I, I liked about what you said. Number one is, you know, really, putting this in, in a, you know, broader context, meaning, you know, your overall, uh, you know, the, the buzz term you hear a lot today is dig digital transformation, right? So you really have to approach this from a broader strategy standpoint um, in, in terms of, um, you know, modernizing, if you will, uh, not only your IT platform and infrastructure, but also modernizing your business processes and perhaps even business models, which a lot of companies are, you know, uh, in, in the process of doing as well in order to compete, you know, more effectively against the competition or meet customer expectations more uh, effectively and, and, and so forth, which to me says that, you know, we've been saying this for a long time, but I think it's even more imperative today is that there needs to be tighter collaboration, co communication between this in, in, in our world, right? So the supply chain logistics organizations and the IT organizations, right? So that both parties understand each other's um, you know, requirements and objectives and strategies and make sure that they're aligned and that people understand, you know, where we are today, where we need to move and, and blockchain being a, you know, a, you know, a component of that. Yeah, I, I would agree with everything that you just said. And I would actually want to highlight one of them in particular around a competitive advantage, even though there's a lot of dust that needs to still settle around what is going to be the framework of choice within transportation and logistics and, you know, others. Um, Putting yourself, whether it be as a carrier or a shipper, you know, or a services company in a position that your solutions, your services can leverage blockchain when it's going to be valuable to your customers or your partners, it's going to be a significant competitive advantage. 
being able to have those conversations that are like, maybe we don't have a blockchain solution today, but we've done the due diligence and we've future-proofed our architecture so that when there is a joint kind of use case where it makes sense for us to partner together on blockchain, or that you're going to ask us as a carrier, if we're gonna remain a preferred carrier, that we need to be able to participate or adopt a blockchain application or solution, I'm ready to do that. That's gonna be a significant competitive advantage that carriers and shippers alike are gonna be able to talk about, and they should be thinking about how they're gonna do that. Yeah, that's a great, that, that's a great point. Um, so, I mean, what do you see as, you know, so we've talked a little bit about what, what companies need to do to get started, but what, what are some of the ba main barriers that you know, still exist today that have to get, companies have to get over to really get started. Yeah, and I think some of them tie back a little bit to some of the things we mentioned, but, and really the whole point of this conversation is there's still this misunderstanding of what is it. So there needs to be continued education within our industry. And there's a lot of that going on. There's uh, organizations like Bitta. You can't go to a conference anymore without there being multiple blockchain sessions. You know, I'm guilty as charged. I participated in some of those sessions. So I think a lot of what you need to see and what a lot of the, actually what a lot of the barriers are. So it's continued lack of understanding the blockchain. There's also this, um, I think there's a lot of companies are afraid to get started because they don't know where to get started. And a lot of that ties back to the fact there's like 70 plus blockchain frameworks out there today. And that can be very daunting. Now, when you boil it down a little bit, what you'll find is many of those are very, say, kind of use case specific that are really only for, say, cryptocurrency. You'll find that a lot of those are very, say, industry specific. There are a lot of like financial vertical blockchain frameworks that you're only going to use them for very specific use cases. And now you're starting to find that there's some what I would call kind of more horizontal solutions like Hyperledger. A lot of the large companies like the IBMs, the Mercs, the Oracles, a lot of other ones, they've really kind of hitched onto Hyperledger because it is very flexible. Ethereum is another one that you're seeing a lot of. So I think what a big barrier is just, I think being a little cautious as to, I don't want to go invest dollars and resources on a, on a blockchain framework that's going to disappear in six to nine months. So I think that's a big challenge. Um, my recommendation would be like, hey, go play with Hyperledger of one of those other ones that are a little bit of the big three right now. You're probably going to be pretty safe if companies like IBM and others are investing millions of dollars a year in it, not going anywhere anytime soon. Another big challenge is around the legacy technology that's in place, right? We kind of touched on this. A lot of companies, even if it's, even if they're a big fortune 500 company within their kind of logistics and transportation business units within supply chain, they're still relying on things like EDI and manual processes and spreadsheets. You know, that goes back to the whole digital transformation piece. They've got to get out of the dark ages and really think about holistically how can we, you know, get more involved and leverage APIs as a foundational technology. And that's not just for blockchain. That's, you know, that's going to be for IoT. That's going to be for predictive and prescriptive analytics. You're going to need that solid foundation. You know, but because of this, because of this lack of understanding, because of, you know, being stuck in some of these dark ages with some of this technology is, there's a lot of misunderstanding uh, around what is that tech stack that I really need to have in place. So there's still some education there that has to happen. How do I get to that foundation that's going to allow me to do that? Um, and I'd say those are just, those are a lot of the big ones. We're a laggard as an industry when it comes to technology. We still don't really get what blockchain's going to do for us. And, you know, we're gonna have to make some investment in, you know, foundational technology so that we're actually ready to adopt it when those, you know, those silver bullet, those killer use cases come about. 
Yeah, no, I, I you know, I, I agree. I mean, I think certainly on the education front that that needs to continue to happen. And, and certainly what we're doing here today is part of that part of that effort. Uh, you know, in terms of betting, you know, I think what, what I see for with a lot of companies is they're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, you know, they hear all, all of this around, you know, blockchain and, and, and all that. And they, they, they say, well, gosh, I don't want to invest too early, right? I don't want to be too early to the game because to your point, you know, if I invest in the wrong uh, version of blockchain or the wrong flavor of it and it goes away, um, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not where I need to be. Right. So I, I kind of equate it to like betting on betting on Betamax and it turns out the VHS, <laughs> you know, ends up, you know, winning. Right. Good and, <laughs> yeah. And, um, but at the same time, they also know that if they don't get started, um, or if they, if they adopt, you know, kind of this laggard or, or fast follower, uh, a position that, you know, the competition may get so far ahead that they'll never catch up. Right. So, I think that's that's kind of where a lot of companies uh, that I talk to seem to to fit in. But I think things like you said, you know, standards, you, you know, understanding that those use cases, and and I think uh, understanding how they can get started small and evolve from there, uh, I think is uh, you know some of the key focus areas that that I'm seeing a lot of companies, uh, you know, uh, begin to uh, to adopt. Uh, you know, Jason, we're running short on time here, so I'm just going to go right to my my last question. I mean, as as a way to wrap wrap up, I mean, what advice or recommendations would you give to companies that are let's say on the sidelines when it comes to you know blockchain I mean what if there's a one or two or three things they should do to get started what you know what, what would those things be yeah I think there's three things that I typically bring up that that can help right it's a journey and a big part of that journey is, is education and getting confidence that you're actually doing the right things uh, the first is there's some really interesting uh, blockchain industry organizations that have come about over the last couple of years uh, Bita, so blockchain and transportation Alliance I'm a member of that that's a great one. You know, they have annual events. Uh, they're having, uh, you know, they're creating committees and subcommittees to really help dig into, you know, what is going to be the best set of standards for transportation. And so just joining that organization and attending some of those events is going to be a great way to be educated, but also network and have a chance to speak to some of your peers who maybe are a little further along in this journey. You know, what have they tried? What are their lessons learned? Um, and just in general conferences, which I kind of mentioned, you can't go to any sort of logistics, supply chain, transportation conference without there being a track on blockchain. And that's great because with every subsequent conference, there's more lessons learned. There's more folks that have gone out and they've tried something. Maybe it was an art of the possible project. You know, maybe they're doing something and getting involved with, say, uh, you know, the IBM Maersk initiative and, and, and trying to be a part of that. So there's a lot of learnings to get to take away from conferences and networking. And it's also a great place to meet some of the thought leaders like, you know, Tim Leonard from TMW and what TMW is doing there. You know, he's just a very, you know, very uh, interesting guy, a lot of great information. So there's folks like that that are a lot of these events and are always really happy to share their kind of experiences where they think the market's going, um, you know, and then just kind of the last one, take an agile approach to everything. You know, I mentioned this earlier, do a lot of prototyping, fail fast, fail often, see what's going to work for you. Cause there may be some use cases that come about for supply chain and transportation that maybe just won't be a good fit for you as an organization because of what your workflow is or how you interact with partners. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that there's not some value there that you should be exploring on your own. There's a lot of, um, like free tools out there that allow you to do really simple kind of applications with blockchain to see, wow, is this something that would be helpful 
you know, having data go in here and timestamping and adding these blocks, whatever it may be. There's some really interesting tools that Hyperledger and others provide that allow you to do some kind of real simple kicking of the tires. So those are the three things that I would really recommend. It's all about learning and just trying. Yeah, great. You know, learning and trying, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think the other thing, just to go back to what we talked about before in terms of looking for those areas where trust and transparency are important and, and maybe where they're lacking today. And, and, you know, perhaps those are the areas that present some opportunities. You know, what I always tell folks, whether it's blockchain or any other emerging technology, is that, you know, you, you almost have to define what's the business problem of the, op of the opportunity first. And, and then kind of look to see whether your existing technologies can address those opportunities or challenges. And if not, that, this could, those could be the areas where things like blockchain, you know, might play uh, an important role. And again, I think with trust and transparency being a guiding, uh, a, a guiding uh, uh, markers here uh, would be, uh, would be helpful. Uh, so Jason, uh, like you said, there's, there's tons of conferences uh, and sessions that, that focus on blockchain. We, we just spent about 30 minutes here. We, we could have easily have spent the whole day or two, you know, talking about this topic, but I think you provided some, some great learning, some great insights and advice on this topic. So, so, so thank you for making the time to be with us today. No, I really appreciate it. It was great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you are watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the Project 44 website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Jason, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all for joining us, and look forward to seeing the future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great Thanks, day. Thanks, everyone.